Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super excited for this week's show because I am welcoming for the first time a filmmaker whom I really admire. Uh, she has two movies out in the span of just a couple of months. Her latest film, Satanic Panic, just hit theaters and VOD. Please welcome to the show, Chelsea Stardust. Hi, Chelsea. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for agreeing to do this. I was too scared to ask you, but my wife, who is wonderful, uh, who had originally suggested it, really pushed me to uh, have you on the show. Uh, further proof of what, as I know you know, uh, that great partners continue to push us to greatness. Yes, I love that. Um, <laughs> and your wife is awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. She's such a fan of yours, and she loves uh, your Movies, plural, because uh, your first movie, All That We Destroy, uh, is on Hulu right now. It's part of Hulu's Into the Dark and is my favorite of all. The, I know Bloody Disgusting just did a ranking and had you yeah. up here at the top, right? Yes, they did. Number two. I would switch the order a little bit, but that's me. That's my <laughs> preference. <laughs> um Yours is my favorite that I've seen. So, um, oh, thank you, thank and, you so much, and congratulations on all your success. Congratulations on Satanic Panic. Are you so excited now that the movie's out? Oh, it feels so good, um, especially when you're, you know, as the director, you live with the movie. Like after it's done, um, shooting, and then through post, and then through festivals and distribution, where everybody else gets to go on and do other things. Your actors, the rest of your crew, everyone else, sort of moves on to the next project, but you stay with it. And it's sort of like, I always compare it to birthing a child. Like <laughs> you, you make something that never existed before and you sort of have to uh, bring it up and teach it everything. And then you have to let it out into the world and hopefully it does okay. And it's accepted by the world. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really intense and it's super emotional and it's, uh, uh, but I, I'm really excited about you know, the, the, we've gotten some great press and I feel very thankful for that. And, um, yeah, so I'm just excited. It's, it's out in the world and it's a different experience than the first movie. The first movie was direct to VO, direct to Hulu. And this one is, um, say, you know, Satanic Panics theatrical and VOD and digital HD. So it's a totally different experience. Um, and tons of festivals. We're still playing festivals. Um, we have some that go all the way into 2020. So oh, I'm wow. still, yeah, that, a lot of international ones are uh, are coming up. So um, I'm going to Vienna at the end of this month um, for a festival. But uh, but yeah, so so thankful for the experience. But I'm I'm happy it's out into the out in the world finally. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see it um, in Chicago at Cinepocalypse, which you were at, and uh, it was my favorite movie of that entire festival. So I'm a big fan of Satanic Panic. Well, thank you, thank you so much. What, uh, when you read the script originally, because it's very different from your first film, which I'm assuming that was kind of deliberate, right? To kind of yeah. show like, look, I can do both of these kinds of films. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's so having done, you know, science fiction, uh, sort of thriller with all that we destroy and then satanic panic being this horror comedy. And honestly, like when I read the script, it was Grady Hendrix's name. I'm such a fan and Fangoria, um, those two things. And just reading the script, I thought, oh, my God, I've never heard anything like this. It's absolutely wild. And I a lot of times you'll hear me say it's batshit crazy. Hmm. And 
there were just a lot of things in the script that I really hadn't seen in American horror movies. And so I really wanted to bring that to life. And I loved that women just totally run the movie and were uh, in a place of power in throughout the whole script. So, um, and that's something I wanted to explore and I want to just keep exploring other subgenres of horror. I don't just want to be the science fiction person or the horror comedy person. I want to be doing all different kinds of kinds of movies or subgenres within that genre, right. within that genre. Do you have a favorite subgenre of horror? Do you have like a go-to? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I lo- see. I love everything, but I am a huge sucker for man versus like um, animal. So like man versus wild uh, things like like recently crawl uh-huh. um, jaws like I'm a sucker for those like placid piranha, um, you know, man or, or, you know, any anaconda like you know, some of those movies are like <laughs> not great, but I fucking love them. And so uh, that's that's something I love. It's that's a you know, I hate to say guilty pleasure because I think some of those movies are really great. So um, that's when I gravitate towards um, even stuff like Grizzly and Orca. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's something I sort of uh, gravitate towards a lot. I love body horror. I'm a big fan of Cronenberg. Um, uh, so that's another one. Uh, yeah, so there's there's a lot. <laughs> do you have a least <laughs> Do you have a least favorite subgenre? Um, I would say probably like um, uh, I love supernatural stuff, but you know, possession yes. is probably my least favorite. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's probably one that i you know i've seen a lot i'm waiting for the movie that breaks through and reinvents that that whole thing so um but yeah that's probably what i feel you know that's not what i'm running out to see in the theaters i'm i'm a little more particular but i try to see everything yeah um but i one of those just hasn't wowed me in a long time right 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 i i always wonder if it's you know i wasn't raised particularly religious and sometimes i wonder if that plays into it because so few of those movies kind of work for me, but it may be to your point that there just hasn't been a really good one in a while. Yeah. I mean, same for me. I was raised with no, no religious background whatsoever. And, um, I think the exorcist is an incredible film, but I don't find it scary. I actually find what happened, what's ha- what, what Reagan's mother is going through to be yeah. much scarier than what Reagan is going through. Um, to know that, you know, you have a child that there's, there's nothing you can do to help them. Someone else has to come in and help them and how, how, how helpless you feel and vulnerable in that moment. Um, that was scarier to me than, than all, you know, throwing up pea soup and stuff like that. But, <laughs> um, you know, I still think that movie is absolutely incredible, but I, what scares me in it is very different than what scares other people. I think. Definitely. Did you so when you read Satanic Panic did you kind of know right away as you were reading it what you would bring to it like how you would kind of do it Yeah I immediately knew sort of the tone I wanted to take and when I was pitching myself for the project I told um Fangoria some references I said I want this to be very much like Jennifer's body um was a was a reference cuz there's you know Judy and Sam, uh, their relationship in it. And Jennifer's body, I think is so beautifully made, but also it has this great comedy in it. Um, and something that like, there's some absurd things happening, but it's still very much grounded. Um, and I wanted to embrace the campiness cause the, the movie is like so off the wall and crazy that <laughs> I really wanted to kind of lean into that. Um, and also I just wanted to make something that was really fun and that the audiences would have fun making. Cause I think there's so much out there that's so depressing and so nihilistic um, that I just wanted to make something that someone could enjoy watching. And yes, there is like the classism statement in there. Um, and I also wanted to show women just being absolute badasses. Yeah, totally. I, I have a friend who notoriously is not a fan of uh, horror comedy and messaged me over the weekend to say how much even he liked Satanic Panic. So you're winning everyone over oh, one, one person at a time. <laughs> so that's awesome. I love it. What was So what's Fangoria's reaction when you say, I want it to be kind of like Jennifer's Body? Because that movie was not especially successful and is only now sort of finding its audience, I feel like. People are just now kind of coming around on Jennifer's body over the last few years. Yeah, they, I was very clear with them about my vision and, you know, giving my references. And I think, you know, I also was referencing drag me to hell as well. Cause Raimi is so good at balancing horror and comedy. 
Um, and I think they were just attracted to the fact that I was so clear on my vision. They didn't mm-hmm. balk at all with the reference. Um, they, they actually totally got where I was coming from with it. Um, and they totally embraced that and were into it. And I think they just, they, they also loved that I come from a comedy and a horror background with Apatow and Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that w- I just don't think, I don't know if anyone else they were looking at for the job had that background either so and also i just knew exactly what i wanted the movie to be and i think they recognized that um and we're we're on board with it that's awesome yeah um speaking of comedy and horror uh the movie that actually we are going to talk about tonight is just released in theaters uh the counter programming i'll call it to uh, satanic panic (laughs) uh and they're not against each other. You can see them both, obviously. And a lot of people, according, you know, based on my Twitter feed, it looked like a ton of people were watching your movie this weekend, which is really awesome. Um, yeah. But we're going to be talking about It Chapter 2. Um, what, uh, just to back up, what is your relationship with, like, the the other iterations of It, the book, the miniseries, Chapter 1? Yes. Um, great question. Yeah. And also... Uh, to what you were saying, this, you know, hearing my film was coming out this past weekend or, you know, September 6th was um, at first a little nerve wracking because I was like, oh, no, like of all the dates to pick the like biggest horror movie coming out <laughs> this year is the same weekend. And I thought, oh, no, like every this is just I'm in an impossible situation. Like the movie's never going to be able to make money. But then I the more I thought about it, I was like, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing because um you know, everyone's going to have horror on the brain. The mm-hmm. movies, they also couldn't be more different. Right. And so I just, I decided, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to lean into this and embrace it and just tell people, like, make it a double feature. Like, watch it on Friday and rent Satanic Panic on Saturday or go see Satanic Panic it's playing in, you know, a bunch of cities. So um, I think, you know, a lot of people were looking at that and, you know, they couldn't be more different too, which is helpful. Um, but now I now I totally embrace it. And I actually so I saw it chapter one um, at a press screening and I absolutely loved it. Um, I cried at the end. It, it reminded me of, of Stand By Me and like sort of the, the Spielberg movies because it has so much heart in it as well. Um, but it sort of gave me these like Rob Reiner vibes from Stand By Me and I saw it two more times in the theaters and I think it's maybe my favorite horror movie in the last five years. Um, I even talked to a friend on a podcast, you know, she talks about the AFI top 100 list. And I said, I think it chapter one should be on that list. Like I loved it that much. And I think it's sort of a modern horror masterpiece. Um, And I immediately bought the Blu-ray and the soundtrack. And every time it's on TV, I just stop and watch it and, Skarsgård as Pennywise is just so fucking incredible. And there's these performance subtleties he has. Um, But all that being said, after seeing the first movie, I immediately, so I'm in a book club in LA that's called the Losers Book Club. Nice. And we read Stephen King every other month. And then in the months in between, we read um, a newer horror horror fiction so you know and nonfiction. we've read true crime as well but the first thing we read was heart-shaped box mm-hmm. um, by joe hill and you know so then we've gone through a bunch of stephen king books and you know a head full of ghosts and my best friend's exorcism and a slew of other new new uh horror we've been doing it for two years and i'm i we added it to the list and we read it i think we did it last summer um but i immediately wanted to to read the book and um, it was definitely like the biggest book I've ever read because <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> and I'm reading The Stand right now. So um, nice. Nice. <laughs> I'm loving that. But, you know, it was really interesting to see because I, I just wanted to live more in that world. I was like, I, I almost could have seen a whole mini series of It Chapter One. Um, I felt like I, I wanted more. Um, and, you know, all the and I actually really loved the book. I thought the book was uh, incredible. I couldn't put it put it down. I read it really quickly. Um, but there's also some interesting things I'll say <laughs> <laughs> in the book. And everyone always knows what you're talking about when you say that. But, um, uh, you know, I think that um, Andy Muschietti did a great job of adapting it, you know, and his team of the team of writers. And I think he did a great job directing the the first one. And then I saw the second one 
um, yesterday. And I've noticed it. I, I, I think it's getting a lot of hate on social media. And I absolutely and I, I totally I, I really enjoyed it. I went in wanting to love it. And I did not as much as the first one. I think it's impossible to to try to replicate that. Um, but I really dug it and had a great time watching it. We are so on similar pages. Uh, just ah. <laughs> everything you said about chapter one uh, is exactly my feelings. I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I have to stop and watch it when it's on TV. It was my favorite, not just my favorite horror movie of that year, but it was my favorite movie of that year. Yeah, um, me too. So I, I'm a huge chapter one fan. And I will admit that chapter two is a little bit messier and tonally weird um, at times. But I think in time, that's going to be one of the things that I really like about it. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. I'm I'm trying not to react to the reactions, but I've been very surprised to to hear the way that some people are talking about it. And, And I wonder if it's just, you know, people really liked chapter one. And so maybe expectations were so high for chapter two that this movie didn't live up to those. I'm not sure. Um, I actually went and saw it a second time today because I wanted to kind of wrap my head around, you know, the first time I'm just kind of watching it, biting my nails, hoping they pull it off and hoping (laughs) it doesn't all just fall apart in front of me. Um, And so this time I was able to go back and just kind of lose myself a little bit more in the performances and some of the scares and some of the uh, scenes that I really love. And there's definitely some weird things that stand out to me. Um, I don't think I love it as much as the first movie, but yeah, I, I, I really, really like it too. Yeah. And I think I, I almost think, you know, um, the director's put in sort of an impossible situation to try to replicate that magic that was in it chapter one and the kids, the chemistry between them is so incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, them as adults, I don't know if you feel their, the peril as much, um, between the two, but, uh, but I think some of the, there were even things like, you know, a lot of people um, are just just are not fans of VFX. I actually loved the little creatures at the Chinese restaurant. I thought they were so disturbing, and I actually think the VX, VFX in both movies are incredible. Like the the seamlessness of Pennywise in Chapter One coming out of that fridge, and is just incredible. Yeah. And I just the first one. St- absolutely scared me like i screamed in the theater i still get scared you know some of this the scene when in the bathroom after beverly hits her dad over the head with the 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 toilet lid um when when right when you feel like you take the breath of like oh the danger of her father is gone and then she turns and pennywise is right there is one of the best crafted scares um and i i didn't really find chapter two to be as scary to me um it, it fell a little short in that department for me it's a lot of um jump scares which sometimes can be affected uh, effective rather and i thought some of them were um i guess i should say spoilers for it chapter two from here on out because why are we oh yes yeah i don't want to talk around stuff um i thought there was a nice scare when um what's his name finds the oh my gosh i'm blanking on names already the bully (laughs) Uh, oh, Henry Bowers. Henry Bowers. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when he's following the balloon around and he follows it under the bed and it pops oh, yeah. and behind it is Patrick Hofstetter. Um, Hofstetter. Yes. Um, I thought that was a well done scare. And I was so used to the scare from the trailer or not the scare from the trailer, but the scene from the trailer where Beverly goes and sits with the old woman and she's kind of naked in the oh, darkness yeah. and she comes charging out that when something very different came charging out of the hallway. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little, you know, again, it's done with CG. So maybe it's a little cartoony for some people, but it was so striking and it was so much bigger than I was expecting that both times I saw it, I was, I kind of, you know, jerked back in my seat a little like, Oh shit. Um, so there are oh, definitely some yeah. effective jump scares. Yeah. I, I agree. The one um, with Patrick and it also, it took me a second and I was like, Oh my God, it's Patrick. Like I remember turning to, I went and saw it with my parents and they're like, wait, who? <laughs> but my boyfriend was there. He's like, Oh my God. Yeah, it's Patrick. And yeah, the scene in uh, Beverly's old apartment 
that was really uh, disturbing and so well done. I loved that. Yeah. I thought that was just, and also no one wants that to come like charging at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like too that they, you know, they mess with the timing, the scene under the bleachers with the little girl. Um, oh yeah. It's just, it's so well timed the way that they make you anticipate, you know, he's counting to three and you have to anticipate the three. He doesn't say it. She starts to say, you're supposed to say three and before she and then, gets it out. Right. It's yep, like, yep. it goes a half second sooner than you're expecting it to come. And like that stuff is just really, really well done. Yeah. I, uh, um, yeah, I loved that. And I also loved Stephen King's cameo. I thought it was so perfect. <laughs> is all the jokes about the bad endings. Do you think that's all just self-referential for Stephen King fans? It, I, it has to be. And I think it absolutely has to be. And that's another thing. Like, the ending, I mean, obviously coming from the book is, you know, fairly unsatisfying, but I think the movie did a really good job handling it because it's kind of anticlimactic, but I think they totally made it work mm -hmm. and I found it to be satisfying. And also like, to me, the best part was, was after they've um, defeated Pennywise and they're all together and they, you know, they read Stan's letter, you know, you hear that. And that moment like really made me emotional. And I thought that was such like a beautiful way to end it. Yeah. The film in general made me really emotional and I, I wasn't able to shake it. Like after seeing it for the second time today, I've been kind of messed up all day because the film made me really emotional. Part of it, I think is just the sadness of the Richie character and sort of what we yeah. learn about him. Um, and some of it is just this idea of what we, what's in our past, what we choose to forget, what we choose to try to hold on to. You know, I have a, a weird relationship to just childhood in general in terms of like, it makes me sad that you lose that and you can't ever go back. And you can't go back. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of stuff always makes me sad. And obviously this movie is very much about that. Um, I think... Chapter two had the harder job, unfortunately. Oh, definitely. I think it's covering way weirder material. Um, and I think it has to do a lot more, even if it's just stick the landing. I think that's hard. But like, I think, you know, just adapting the book, it gets so much weirder in the second half. Um and not all of it yeah. works. I don't I don't know that Henry Bowers needed to come back. I mean, I know that's a big part of the book. But I don't think that I don't think Chapter Two really figures out what to do with him in a right. way that's satisfying. If he was never back in the movie, yes, Eddie wouldn't get stabbed in the cheek. But other than that, nothing really would be different. Right. It didn't affect anything. And I thought, and I was trying to think back to um, Bowers' role in the book because I feel like there was a lot more there. That obviously you can't do everything. It's a huge book to put into two movies, mm -hmm. anyways. But yeah, in terms of the. Um, the setup and the payoff with Bowers. And in the first movie, I was, you know, it made it look like he is killed because he falls down that, the well basically. And, yeah. and, and is hitting, you know, you see him bouncing off rocks and then he sort of comes out and seems fine. Um, I was actually surprised because I thought that's something they would have left out. Um, but, you know, I was, yeah, because yeah, he gets his cheek stabbed and then they end up killing him. And then that, that's it. There's no other really, um, effect that that happens aside from it's just one more thing for them to remember and then you know the rock uh as when they have the tokens the rock that they hit bowers right, with during right. the rock fight comes up um and i actually was surprised that they didn't choose to in the book um beverly's husband doesn't come after her and i and i think it they made the right choice by not having that i just thought it was interesting that that was something they left out because that adds yet another threat because um, Bowers just wasn't as pro, pro, I guess, active because um, you have this supernatural threat of Pennywise, but then you also have Bowers doing like Pennywise's bidding. So you have two different threats. Right. So something that's actually here and real versus something that um, you have a power over to say, you know, you're not real. Um, and that's, you know, just heightening the stakes. But yeah, I agree. It's like, you know, I thought the Bowers part, I was like, oh, I would have liked to have seen a little more if we were going to go for that. Um, but yeah, you could have easily done without it. So, um, I like the idea that Pennywise is using a human to sort of do his bidding and to go after them. Um, yeah. the, the, the movie doesn't 
make that super clear. There's a little bit with him following the balloon, but then once he gets out of the hospital, we kind of lose that. Um, and I guess Patrick Hoxsetter driving him around as a zombie. But like, I like the idea that because, you know, Pennywise isn't really powerful enough to do anything yet on his own that he's using mm-hmm. Henry Bowers. But yeah, it just doesn't, it, none of that quite comes across. And so it's one of those things that maybe could have gone without hurting the movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I always found like one of the things in chapter one I found to be so interesting was that um, how, and this is less so in the book than it is in the movie, but all the adults are, pre, are you know, they're kind of, evil is not the right word, but all the ad- adults kind of suck <laughs> in the first movie, Yeah, um, which isn't really the case in the book. There's a couple um, adults that are, that are great, but in the, in the movie they're all kind of horrible people. And like you see the woman on the porch when Georgie gets killed and she looks out and sees the blood going down the drain, but does nothing. Right. So, so it's, it's, I thought that was something that I, in the movie I really liked because it only makes you care for the kids more. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. This town of dairy that's now sort of, um, you know, is, is, not the town it once was it's it makes me think of these towns when i go on road trips i go through that were once these flourishing places and are now just couldn't keep up with the economic times and are now you know businesses shut down and and um, movie theaters closed and it just like kind of breaks my heart because just america has changed so much and industries have changed and things like uh, i have you know i my, I have part of my family comes from coal mining towns. Obviously, those have all changed. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was a really fascinating thing to see as this town that's sort of barely kind of holding it together. Well, and so how does that for you? How does that play into the way that you watch, say, the opening scene, which I know has been slightly controversial with the the beating, the hate crime beating of Adrian Mellon? which to me is very much about, again, this town being kind of a toxic, terrible place where everyone's looking the other way, right? It's the woman on the porch again with Georgie. Um, Yeah. But but the movie opens with kind of these two savage beatings, the first of Adrian Mellon and the second of Bev at the hands of her husband. Yeah. Um, And it's really serious and, you know, it's it's done very – it's very effective, I think for some maybe too effective um, because then the tone shifts and a lot of the movie is jokey and it never quite – I don't know. I don't want to say it doesn't earn those scenes because those scenes have a place and they have a function. Um, But it is jarring just how – brutal they are when contrasted with the rest of the film yeah and i think like seeing the opening because that's a scene in the that scene in the book um with adrian just always um disturbed me and seeing it you know it, it just made me have this moment of like oh wow um hate is alive and well in 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 dairy maine and and fear and it's sort of like part of you wonders, oh, is this, you know, you immediately start thinking of Pennywise, is this is Pennywise is doing, but I was like, mm, nope, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> I think this is just showing that people just still, and maybe that's like sort of commentary on like where we are politically in 2019, but a lot of people are still carrying hate in their hearts. And this is someone who is showing how much he hates someone, um, beating, beating the shit out of somebody. And, people just look the other way yeah like they just let it happen and just like you know what happens with with um uh with ben and henry bowers when he's getting you know the name carved into him which is like such a horrible thing to do and the you know the couple in the car they just keep going right on by Mm -hmm. and just letting it happen again showing the how evil the adults are but also henry bowers is such this like embodiment of evil in a person um, and then to see that at the beginning of this, it was just, you know, that, that to me was, was pretty scary. And also be- with Beverly, I wasn't sure if the movie was going to do what in the book, what happens during the book where she gets, it, it didn't seem that way at first when he's like, Oh, you know, I trust you. And I was like, Oh, maybe they chose not to do that for whatever reason. And then sure enough, um, he, he attacks her and she's mm-hmm. able to, to escape. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, it does. It takes a, the, the tonal shift that happens, um, uh, is interesting. Um, but I, I, I just thought I, both of those scenes were pretty, um, pretty intense and pretty incredible too. But to start the movie out that way is, is, uh, cause you know, you're kind of anticipating with Georgie, you know, that that's sort of how the movie's going to start right. um, in the first movie, but you don't know that I didn't realize that they were going to keep that scene in until I saw it. And I was like, Oh shit, they, they did that. That's pretty intense. Yeah. It's, uh, and it, it doesn't quite prepare you for what's to come because again, things are going to shift the stuff with Bev. I mean, I think is interesting in terms of what it has to say. And obviously that comes right out of the book in terms of, you know, cycles of abuse and she's raised by an abuser and she marries an abuser. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wish the, the chapter two would have done a little bit more to show us who they are as adults and some of the, because it's mm -hmm. interesting. They've all, they've all gone on to be very successful, you know, with the exception of maybe Mike, who's working at a library. Not that he's not successful, but he doesn't have sort of this uh, fancy career, you know, in show business right. or whatever. Um, they've all gone on to be very successful, but we know that they all are also carrying these demons. Um, I think, you know, the movie suggests that they're all kind of heavy drinkers without ever really – spelling it out but there's a lot yes. of alcohol early on and and shots of bottles and glasses and um but i part of me wishes that it had that they had done a little more to just tell us who these people are as adults in terms of the demons that they still carry um without being aware of it you know because again they've 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 sublimated they've forgotten so much of what came before um, so they don't necessarily understand why they're haunted by these demons, but it's not really in the movie. Right, right. Yeah. And and I also think it's interesting that, so in the book um, versus in chapter one, Mike and Ben, they're, they're flipped. So, cause in the book, Mike's the one that does all the, that knows all about dairy, whereas right. Ben doesn't. And so in chapter two, they've also flipped that. So they ended up giving that sort of back to Mike and he and I think his character um, is, you know, comes off a, a little bit and rightfully so um, slightly unhinged because he's the one that's had this that stayed behind. And then he's the one that's sort of never forgot because he's had to live there and had to live with it. And, you know, him trying to convince them and they're not listening. And, you know, he has such a, a weight to carry in the movie with trying to convince them that no, this, this is what happened. You know, I have to show you, I have to explain to you, um, because everyone's sort of just forgotten. Um, and to slowly sort of have that moment of him being able to finally, uh, leave at the, at the end to be able to leave dairy. And I think it's incredibly difficult to, to leave, you know, your, where you come from, depending on where you come from. I've come from a very, very small rural town in, um, the Midwest and to be able to, to leave to move to uh, Los Angeles <laughs> was huge. Like that was huge to uproot myself and, you know, go to a, a, across the country. And it's scary to do that. And, and not everyone's, but not everyone's able to do that. And so the fact that he sort of gets to do that and gets to explore, cause he just never left. And I think there's something so lovely about him being able to sort of finally be able to take control of his life. Um, and, and, go out and, and live it, I think was like really lovely. He had this huge weight to carry, you know, defeated it and then was able to sort of start the next chapter of his life. Right. I like too, that, you know, you, you mentioned he's kind of unhinged and he definitely is. And I almost feel like that plays into, I don't know that it's his greatest fear, but near the end of the film, Pennywise sort of calls him out for being, you know, quote unquote crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously he's haunted by his parents' death, but I thought that was a really interesting touch that, that Mike's fear of sort of losing grip on his own sanity because of everything that he's had to carry all these years uh, plays into what scares him the most. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and how did you feel about um, the cast, the sort of like adults – the adult versions of these, these kids that we've gone on this journey with that we, you know, love so much. I mean, I loved all the actors. There were certainly 
characters that I wish had a little bit more to do. Like, yeah, I'm about as big a Jessica Chastain fan as you can find and didn't always feel like we got to see everything that I know that she can do as an actor. Yeah. Um, even uh, James McAvoy, who's always excellent, you know, uh, didn't always get to do everything that we know that he can do. And part of that is just there's so much story that they have to service and so many characters that they have to service that not everybody is going to shine quite as brightly as they might be able to. But I thought everybody was great. And I love, um, you know, you had said earlier, just living in this world. I love living in this world with these people. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I actually, I loved the the casting. Also, some of them, uh, you know, especially like James Ransone as Eddie. I was like, oh my God, it's like, it, it feels yeah. like it's them. It's crazy. It's, it, they had to genetically engineer some of these people. The, the adult Stan. Yeah. It's bananas how much Eddie and Stan look like the child versions of Eddie and Stan. Like, I feel like... Yeah. These people were made in a laboratory just to play these parts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thought, um, uh, and I thought everyone was awesome. I know a lot of people are talking about Bill Hader. I also just love seeing Bill Hader in um, things that are comedic, but also things that are dramatic. Because I yeah. think he's just a really great, actually kind of underrated actor. Definitely. Um, and I love, of course. I mean, everyone talks about Bill Skarsgård as um, Pennywise, and I'm still deciding whether because part of me wanted to see more Pennywise than what we saw. But I feel like and I just watched it chapter one again. And I think I just felt like I saw more of him in that movie mm -hmm. than I did in chapter two. But um, but I think uh, but I think maybe the, the balance is fine. I'm still deciding. I have to see it again to 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 say. But um, I just think he's so what he's done with that role is just incredible. And I know a lot of people have which we haven't gotten into this yet but the have a soft spot for the miniseries from the 90s and uh and tim curry's pennywise um and i didn't really grow up with that miniseries i didn't see it until i was in college um and you know that pennywise is only in like what do they say like 10 minutes of the movie or mm -hmm. 10 minutes of the miniseries or something and those moments are all very memorable and maybe some of the best moments in the whole miniseries um i'm not the, the hugest fan of that but i understand like people having like a nostalgia for it i totally get that i just didn't grow up with it like a lot of people do so i have a very different relationship with it um but uh i just think bill scar just totally blew me away like in this in the penny rise Pennywise role. The minute you see him in chapter one, I'm like, fuck, this guy is terrifying. <laughs> and to see him sort of that moment when he's um, out of uh, w out of makeup as the, the uh, when he's putting all the clown makeup on and talking to, I, God, I can't remember off the top of my head who, who it is. Um, Bever yeah, he's talking to Beverly. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he, yeah, and then it, it he pull, rakes his fingers down. Oh, God, it was so creepy to see him like in human form. Yeah. Um, and you know, with clown form <laughs> and all the other forms he takes, that was so terrifying. It's amazing to me that he's managed to take that character and make it his own to the extent that like both the Tim Curry Pennywise and the new Bill Skarsgård Pennywise are sort of iconic and you can go to a horror convention and you can buy action figures of each one and they feel completely different, even though they're both playing the same character. Um, and it's not like you have to choose which one is your favorite. I can't think of many instances where somebody took over a role that iconic and made it equally, if not more iconic. It's always like, oh, they didn't live up to the original or, oh, yeah, they were pretty good, but, you know, they were no Bella Lugosi or whatever it is, right. you know. Um, but the fact that he's made it so much his own that this new Pennywise has become a horror icon for the two thousands is like a miracle and just a testament to how amazing his performance is. Yeah. I think it's, it's incredible and genuinely scary. And just the little things he does, like even in the first movie when, you know, he's Georgie's talking to him, to him in the sewer and his eyes are blue. And then, you know, that moment when they turn orange and he becomes completely unhinged. Um, and then the drool in his eye, like he has that one eye that just drifts and, you know, the smile, it's just these little teeny things he does that just 
is so unsettling and just adds another layer to the performance that I just think is is incredible. I think he's um, a really great, and I've seen him in other things that aren't, you know, not it because you're always concerned about will they be able to, you know, kind of be seen as something other than right, that. And, I, right. and I've seen him in other things, and he's just uh, he's just great. He is. He's always really good. I, I, he's somebody that now I get excited when I find out he's in something. Like it makes yeah. me want to see it. You know, mostly because of. Uh, I don't know that I would have felt that way if I didn't sort of fall in yeah. love with him as Pennywise. Because I didn't watch, what was that Netflix show he was on? Uh, um, well, he's on Castle Rock okay. on Hulu. I'm thinking of Hemlock Grove. Oh, oh, oh Hemlock Grove. Hemlock Grove. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Which I did not watch. Um, I did not see Hemlock Grove either, but I did see, um, uh, I did rock, watch Castle Rock. Is Castle and- Rock good? Um, you know, it's kind of a, I wanted, it was unsatisfying. I will okay. say like what, how I wanted the ending to be, um, it left me wanting way more, but there are some really great, awesome performances and, um, and stories within that. And I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if they were planning on a second season and it, I don't know what's going on with it, but, um, I will, I would probably watch it, watch a second season if they did it, but it, there were some issues and I couldn't quite figure out what they were trying to do. Right. Um, but it was some, a lot of sort of story stuff too. Um, but, uh, again, not sure what challenges they had, you know, while making it or while writing it, but, um, he's great in it. And I almost wanted, I almost thought there was going to be some sort of Pennywise tie in and there it's, it's sort of touches on that, even though it's not Pennywise, it's kind of hard to explain, but, um, I felt like there was some hints of that in it because um, he plays a very uh, strange character in it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I want to see more of him. And I just saw that at Villains. I don't know if you caught Villains. At, I did, at yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I thought he was great in that. So yeah, I just want to see see more. And I loved what they did in, in Chapter 2 with the Deadlights. And, you know, that moment where he picks up uh, when when he's trying to, he's like sort of desperate at this point. Um, and, you know, picks up Bill Hader and shows him that and just he sort of starts floating. And I thought that was just really cool and great because we know we see Beverly that happened to her. But we don't really know. I don't even know if they call it deadlights in the first movie, um, if they say what it is. And then you finally and then in the second movie, you find out um, what it is and what it's showing you, like the sort of origin of what the evil is. Right. And that's why it puts you in that trance when the camera kind of swings around and we see the back of his head is open yeah. and kind of funneling through Pennywise. Yeah, I know that was really, really cool. Yeah. I loved that. Cause it's like, yeah, you have to explain to your audience sort of what this is. And also the ending of the book is so crazy. And there's the turtle, which <laughs> obviously the turtle, you see turtles in the movies, but you right. never, you know, they, they don't go into that. So, um, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought they did the best that, that they could with, with that sort of material and adapting it and, and, you know, with the ending, but I think, you know, you want to see all of them together and that they have that moment of, of, uh, I'm trying to think what the line is where they're like, we don't, we, now maybe I, now we want to remember there's things we want to hold on to. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really, uh, really lovely. And when they're all together and then you see the reflections in the window, I'm such a sucker for that shit. Oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> And the trailer, I think, gave that moment away, and it still totally works on me in the movie. Yep. Possibly yep, even totally. more so because of, you know, the way that we've built to that and because Stan and Eddie are both in the reflection. Yes. Um, which yeah, is exactly. so beautiful, you know. Yeah, I loved it. And um, and I sort of had, we, you know, I was having a conversation with um, someone after seeing the movie though I don't think this is, this is just a thought that came into my mind while I was watching it, and I don't think it's really is what was going on. But I thought it was interesting that how, cause I think it's just the passage of time, but I thought it was interesting that when we felt like the town was really thriving is when Pennywise was active and, you know, picking off kids one by one, all the missing signs starting, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the town is totally thriving. And then he goes dormant for 27 years and then the town totally falls apart. Mm-hmm. And when they're back and, and, maybe him i thought oh, well maybe it's maybe it has to do with pennywise maybe the town thrives and the adults are you know part of this because it's like oh our town will thrive if this if we turn another cheek to this mon- turn our turn our cheek to this monster and not pay attention to what's going on 
because our, it keeps our town going. I was sort of getting a little more um, philosophical with that. And I, I don't know if that's actually the case because when they go back, it's in ruins because he's been sleeping and, and now he's back. I don't know if it would bring the town back, but right. they end up keeping him. So you never find out. But I think honestly, it's just the, the passage of time and, and, and things changing in the world. That sort of is why it's the town's fallen apart. But that was something that sort of crept into my brain, but Derry is this sort of evil, you know, place like that. That's just, you know, and they say that, that when they go um, and see sort of the, the spaceship sort of thing <laughs> that's in there um, when they're like, this has been under Derry for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. So it's just yeah. been there for so long um, and just sort of fed off the, the town. I just thought that was a, that's a, something that crept into my brain. I don't know if it, if it actually is accurate, but it's something I was just thinking about a little bit more with, with Pennywise's relationship to, or its relationship with the town and sort of what they were sort of giving to it. But I don't think that, I don't know if that's actually accurate. It was just a fun thing I was thinking about while watching it. No, that's cool. Uh, do you think the town then will be pissed when they find out that the losers killed him? That he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to open an ice cream shop and now I can't can't you fuckers killed pennywise (laughs) (laughs) i was uh one of the things that i was holding my breath about was the sort of final form of it because i remember the miniseries which i know you talked about a little bit the the miniseries like i was so excited for it i would have been i don't remember i was pretty young maybe i was in like sixth grade um when the miniseries came on and I was so excited for it that I like had pictures of Pennywise and the cast like cut out and I taped them in my locker in junior oh, high. And like, um, I think started reading the book at that point because I was so excited about it. So I recorded it off of TV and I paused it. So all the commercials would be cut out, you know? Um, oh, love it. <laughs> and I had just watched it so many times over the years. I don't even know if I like it, but like, I know it by heart because yeah, I just have seen it so many times. And you know, the miniseries, oddly enough, uh, has the same problem that a lot of people have with these new movies, which is the first half, which is all the kids stuff. That was good. And then the second half with, with all the adult stuff doesn't work. And I'm a fan of it. Chapter two. And I think the stuff with the adults does work, but I know a lot of people yeah. are not loving it. Um, but one of the things that does not work in the mini series is the final form of it. And part of that is just yeah. a conceptual <laughs> thing. And part of that is a budgetary thing. Cause it's a TV mini series, but it's sort of this giant, uh, spider puppet spider. thing. <laughs> yeah. And so I was very concerned because in the book, again, it's just sort of this Lovecraftian, you know, oh, and it's this thing that you can't even wrap your head around. It's this ultimate evil. Um, so I didn't know exactly what they were going to go with. And I actually thought they came up with a pretty good solution, which was, okay, we'll give him spider legs and just yes. continue to make the top half Pennywise so that we're still interacting with Pennywise as it and not all of a sudden Pennywise is written out of the movie and now we're dealing with some other monster that we've never met before. Even though it's the monster we've been seeing all along, I don't think right. visually that works if they just erase Pennywise and give us some new creature. Totally. I think I think that was a good choice. And then also as he's as they're like, um, when they decide to, you know, make him feel small and, and the head keeps changing, I thought was really Mm -hmm. interesting because you're seeing all the different forms that they saw him as, but also some things in the book, um, like the mummy that you see, like, I don't think we've seen that in it. And there was a couple things, um, that they threw in there, I think for the, for the fans of the book, which I really appreciated, but I thought that was really cool to just show, you know, showing us again, he just takes all different forms. And I thought that, and the, and the spider line immediately, I was like, Oh yeah, this is a way to do that. But yes, keep us interacting with the Pennywise that we've sort of been on the journey with. Um, and yeah, it's just so, it's just so tough to tackle that stuff. And I think they did a really good job. And yeah, I, I too think chapter two is awesome. And I think people are, um, you know, giving it a, a, a pretty hard time that I, you know, I don't know if we need to be so tough on it. (laughs) I was listening to a podcast today. I won't say which one, but some of the things they were complaining about the movie. I just, I don't, sometimes I wonder how I'm supposed to interact with movies. Like if this is what we're, if this is what we're responding to, if this is what we're talking about, then I don't know how to engage with art anymore (laughs) because 
Uh, anyway. Um, no, totally. And also, you know, it's funny now that I, I guess I didn't realize this when I was in the theater, but when, you know, you're a, a filmmaker, it's so hard to not watch something and be like, oh, they did this like this, or they did like this like that, like taking things apart in your head um, from a filmmaking perspective. But when I think about it, when I was watching It Chapter 2, I was I let all of that go and just just enjoyed the ride. And I wasn't looking at it with like a critical eye at all or trying to really like analyze any of right. like, the, the story stuff. I just was there for the ride. And that's something I don't always get to do when I watch movies sometimes. Um and this, I was just able to do that. And maybe that's another reason I enjoyed chapter one so much. And I really try to do that. I try to just let everything go and be entertained because that's so important. But I feel like we forget that because we're also in a, in a time when everyone's a critic and everyone has something to say. And, you know, because everyone's got an opinion about something, which is totally fine. But I also don't ever want to lose that magic that you feel when you watch a movie that I felt when I was a little kid. And I, I don't want to lose that. I think it's so important to sort of just take a step back and be like, oh, yeah, I want to enjoy this. And and now also having <laughs> making movies, you realize how difficult it is and every movie is a miracle. And so <laughs> just to have it get made is, and, and released is a big deal. So, um, But I found like I was really able to just go with it and, and enjoy the ride with it. I had a moment, I think both times I was seeing the movie, where I kind of stepped outside of myself. And it's near the end of the film, kind of during the climax, where Jessica Chastain is in the bathroom stall that's filling with oh, yeah. blood. And Ben is in the underground clubhouse, and that's filling with you know dirt, and he's kind of getting buried alive. And meanwhile, there's a giant spider Pennywise clown stomping around inside of a cave that's been there for millions of years. And I was like, look at how fucking weird this is. Like, how can we not appreciate that this is in a movie that Warner Brothers is putting out and is making $100 million? Like, this is yeah. a supremely weird movie. And I just feel like five or ten years from now, divorced from some of the baggage, I hope that people are able to say, you know, because that – Weird is something that people always respond to. They'll find a movie from 20 years ago and be like, have you seen this movie? It's batshit. I love it. Um, yeah. This is a batshit movie. It's a batshit movie. And I think they really took a lot of chances with it. You know, <laughs> They did. I, I, how do you, as a, as a filmmaker, how do you feel about um, like references? Because this is a movie that is very referential. You had mentioned earlier some of the, the previous forms that the monster had taken. Um, there's a very specific reference to the miniseries. I don't know if you caught that. When they first introduce Ben, um, it's like over Skype. But there's a different actor who stands up who's a little bit heavyset and his hair oh, is thinning. Yes. And we assume that that's Ben, right? That's what Ben would look like. Yes. Now. That's the actor who played the kid Ben in the miniseries. Right. Yes. 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 Um, yes. And then of course there's the incredibly overt reference to John Carpenter's the thing. There are a lot of references oh, throughout yeah. the movie. The but thing with that was great. And it even says like, uh, he even has the, the line that's in the thing too, which I loved. Yeah. Um, uh, and the shirt, I think the shirt that Richie wears is the, also the same shirt in the miniseries, which I, Oh, okay. See, I, what I, saw on Twitter that I missed was that Richie's wearing a shirt that uh, Mark Patton is his name Mark Oh wait Patton? maybe that's it maybe that's what I'm thinking of yeah B yeah yeah uh, BJ Colangelo pointed out that he's wearing yes. the shirt that Jesse wears in Nightmare on Elm Street 2 that's right I knew there was a reference to something else it wasn't the miniseries yeah 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 um, which is amazing yeah, <laughs> like, that I, is such a pull I love that and I loved I loved the thing references honestly like I think that's something because you've got to think about the the people that are going to see this movie. Not I think it stretches, you know, it obviously stretches past the horror audience. Right. It stretches past that. And I and it's because it's this big mainstream movie and that they took. I mean, I was like, K -k -k way to go, Warner Brothers, for putting some of this crazy stuff in this movie. Um, but uh I was like, okay, so this is something like a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the horror fans that will get this. And then it's sort of showing another group of people where they might be like, 
oh, that thing was really weird. And then maybe they hear someone mention the thing and they're like, oh, maybe I, maybe I'll seek that out and watch that and see that reference. Like, I hope, I hope that people see that and it makes them sort of look for other great movies that, that this one's referencing. I'm, I'm a fan of that. And I, I think, you know, it's something nice for the fans, but you know, anytime they can put that stuff in, I always find it to be fun. You feel like you're part of a secret club almost. (laughs) I struggle with it in remakes for some reason, when remakes are constantly referencing the original film, I find myself irritated like stop reminding me of this other better movie (laughs) um and be your own movie you know but in something like it where they're referencing just other pop culture it doesn't bother me i kind of like it yeah oh that's a good point yeah 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 i can see or yeah this other better movie yeah 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 um yeah i can see that i can see that but also it made me think about when you mentioned um scars guards performance um and tim curry's sort of they're both equally iconic and famous. It made me think of ones that like completely just don't work where like nightmare on Elm street comes, right, to, right. comes immediately comes to mind where I was like, Ooh, yeah, that's one where it's like, no one's, you know, cosplaying that Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I get annoyed sometimes when I see like, um, I can't remember. I, I was at like flashback weekend or something and there's, you know, somebody selling an action figure of the Jackie Earl Haley, Freddy Krueger. And I'm like, no, who is buying this? No one wants this. Put this no away. One wa- put it away. Get it out of here. <laughs> Don't you feel like these it movies are the closest we've had to a Nightmare on Elm Street, like a legitimate Nightmare on Elm Street movie since that series kind of ended? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I just was thinking that again during some of the scenes where they're they're structured like dream sequences, right? Yep. Where uh, you know they're sort of these nightmare fantasy sequences, but just the the way that the movies embrace fantasy as much as horror is something that the Elm Street movies really did. Um, and the way that, you know, we have a villain who's terrorizing kids and then adults and sort of feeding on their fear. Um, that wants to scare them as much as it does. It wants to want to kill them, you know? Yeah. Um, it just really, I really feel like they feel like the Elm street remakes that we never got or sequels. Um, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and it's also just like, that's so difficult. Like trying to tackle a, I mean, same thing with it, like trying to tackle something that, um, whether it's from a book or from another pre, you know, pre-existing movie is so difficult when you're trying to do a, a remake or a sequel. And I think it, you know, s- stands on its own because it's not, even though I would have totally watched another mini series, it's not the mini series, its own thing. Um, um, but you look at something like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, I would love to see Friday the 13th done as a TV show, um, with real, with kids, kids in peril, um, kids actually at camp because it's always before the camp starts most <laughs> of the time. So it's like, I would love to see, see that version of it, but it's just so it's, it's really tough. It's like, it kind of scares me as like a filmmaker. There's a couple things I have in mind that I would like, Oh, that'd be fun to remake. But then I'm also like, Oh, fuck, that's so scary. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being so excited in chapter one when uh, the theater was showing Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Because oh, yeah. I know in the book that Richie encounters um, the monster from the movie, right? Is it Dracula or does he see the mummy? He's, oh, God, I thought he saw – I remember the mummy. Was there a Wolfman though? Wolfman was in the miniseries. Oh, that's in the miniseries. Okay. Because yeah. I think the mummy is in the is in the book. Okay, so maybe it's the mummy. Either way, I was like, okay, so he's going to run into – because in the miniseries, it's set in the 50s, so he goes to see I was a teenage werewolf, and then he runs right. into an actual werewolf. So I was sure. I was like, well, this is a new line movie, and we know that Nightmare on Elm Street is showing at this movie theater, so Richie's going to meet Freddy Krueger, and this is going to be the greatest thing ever, and it never came to pass. Oh, my God. That – oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> oh, I would have loved that. <laughs> um, how did you feel about the – the change to Richie's character, what we learn about Richie. Um, you know, I actually like, didn't mind that. I actually thought it was like very, um, I actually thought it was a very sweet thing to sort of put something that you just wouldn't really think of or think Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I actually like saw that. I was like, oh wow, that's that's an interesting choice, and I and I like that they that they did that. Um, and and then it also just adds a, a, another sort of layer to it um, that you don't expect. And uh, yeah, I, I thought I was like, that's an interesting choice, and I and I think I'm I'm into it. Yeah, I think it's really beautiful and sad and uh really again informs his character in a really interesting way and uh yeah i really i i i really like it yeah me too i think they made some really um some some good good choice good changes and choices in this because again it's like there's so much to adapt but you also have to think all right what i also think that as a screenwriter and a filmmaker, you can, you can put your own stamp on something too. And, and you can add something to that, that, that can elevate it. And I think if you can do that, you should do it. Yeah. Uh, last question. I don't want to keep you all night, but, uh, CG de-aging on kids, distracting or no? Um, yeah, funny story. So when I was watching the movie, um, I was thinking about the kids, um, some of the scenes, I was like, man, one scene stuck in, out in my mind of being a little inconsistent in terms of the kids. And I was like, they, because I, I remember hearing a rumor about a about adding the, another scene with the kids in as like a reshoot or an additional thing after It Chapter One because everyone loved the kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's definitely some, what is going on? And it was a little bit, dis- it was a little distracting, but I had trouble putting my finger on it because I was like, is their faces, but also their voices. It almost mm-hmm. sounded like, and it, it definitely took me out. And it also could be because I just watched Chapter One, right. so I had like just seen it before I went to the theater, so it was like fresh in my mind. Someone who the last time they saw it, Chapter One, was in theaters or right after they got the DVD may not see that. Um, but I understand why they did it. It's probably not something I would have wanted to do, <laughs> um, but. You know, I get, I get why you have to, because I'm sure, like, you know, if you're doing a reshoot, they've changed so much. Like it, with kids, they're just growing so quickly, and you know, voices are changing. And, um, but yeah, not, not, not super into the just in general de- the de aging stuff in movies. I think right. is very strange. <laughs> yeah, the the effect is is kind of weird and distracting. The worst of it is in the clubhouse scene where yeah. Um, and I did kind of wish that they had set the clubhouse up in the first movie because obviously it's very important in the second movie, but we just meet it, you know, minutes before it becomes super important. Um, so part of me wishes that that clubhouse sequence had existed in the first movie, but oh well. And that's and that's something I missed because that's it's it has such an important role in the um, book with the kids, and that's how they escape from from Henry Bowers, and that's just it's like a a a, a place to. Um, hang. I just think it would have been nice to have had that to show this sort of, you know, we have this place we go to and hang out and just give it more um, uh, emotional uh, resonance in the film. Um, but you know, I had heard rumor that that's that I could be wrong, but that that was the what they reshot that 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 they brought the kids in to do that. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, pro- but again, probably not because the adults are in there. So it only makes sense for there to be a flashback. But I was just, I thought, well, if you were shooting them kind of, and I don't know if they, I, I assume they shot them like back to back. Um, Cause some of the scenes, the kids looked to- like they did in the first one. And then, which I was like, are those scenes that didn't make it in the first movie? I believe like, they be are. Very... I think they used a couple yeah. of cut scenes. Yeah. Cause that's what it sort of felt like to me. Cause the only thing is I was like, what man, it feels slightly inconsistent in the kids. And it, it felt like their performances, but it's because of that stupid fucking de-aging. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, this feels weird. Like, this doesn't feel like them. Because yeah. um, that's the one that they, you know, had to, to generate. Whereas the other ones, I feel like these feel like, you know, scenes that were left on the cutting room floor. But I, I love that they're in there. And I loved seeing them. And, you know, I kind of missed the, the kids, you know, I love seeing them back in chapter two. Um, but yeah, the, I think now, hey, maybe in a couple more years with with the the tech technology of VFX, it, it won't be as weird, but still a little weird right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think these would work as one big long movie? If they were to cut it together as one long movie, do you think it works? Or do you think 
it's meant to be two separate movies. You know, I was I was actually thinking about that after I saw it, and I think you could. And also, I heard rumor there's like ninety minutes that are being added to a cut. Oh my um, gosh, I'm I'm that, on board. Yeah, I, I thought I, I read some again. Who knows how with the age of the internet, what's actually true and what's not? But I thought I read something about there being like a ninety minute, ninety more minutes of footage or something added to it. That could be a total rumor, um, which I'm on board for. Like. That movie did not seem like almost three hours. Same with the first movie. It's like, yeah. I could sit here for five more hours. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. Um, but uh, I'd be, uh, I, I don't know. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I don't know if, like, the, the de-aging stuff, if all that would stick out even more if yeah. you watched them all cut together. But um, I would, I mean, I'd love to, to do that and to try it out and see how it looks and how it feels and... Um, and if, but because we saw them, because there's two separate things, I think the, um, uh, sort of the emotional journey you go on packs a bigger punch if they're two separate things. Totally. That's, that's what I think. So. Yeah, totally. Um, well, thank you so much for talking about this movie with me. It was super fun and, uh, it's so, uh encouraging and exciting to have somebody whose thoughts mirror my own because <laughs> I had no idea how you felt about the movie. So when you started talking about it, I was like, Oh yay, we feel the same way. Yep. Yep. Totally on the same page. I, and some people mentioned it. Um, I, I did a tweet about, um, cause when I saw it in a theater, I saw Monday matinee, no one was there, but me and my parents and my boyfriend and it was delightful. Um, and a lot of people were like, what did you think of the movie? What did you think of the movie? And I was like, I'm going to wait. You can hear what I think about it. Oh, thank you. How nice <laughs> of you. <laughs> but nice. I was just like, the theater going experience has been, has gotten pretty rough, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and I, and people were like, oh, I wouldn't want my movie to screen in an empty theater, which I totally understand. It is doing just fine. Making <laughs> a lot of money. This one screening won't make a difference, but no one was talking. No one was on their cell phones. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so, are great about policing that a lot are not so and people are just super disrespectful when watching movies in the theater so to have this be such a great experience and maybe that's why i was fully able to let go and enjoy it right. I, there were no distractions right um but yeah i was like everyone's just gonna have to wait and listen to the podcast to hear my thoughts well, that is so <laughs> nice of you thank you so aside from watching all that we destroy on hulu and renting and or buying satanic panic on vod where can people find more of you online uh, yes, I am on Instagram at Chelsea Stardust and I'm on, on Twitter at Stardust Chelsea and my Facebook is totally private. Don't even bother. I decline <laughs> anyone I've never met. So, um, try Instagram and Twitter is, is, uh, is where to find me. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This was super fun. I really, really appreciate you making the time to do this. Of course. Thank you so much for asking me. I loved chatting with you, Patrick. Thank you everybody. 